legends, myths, conspiracy theories. They're all theories, yet they hold a vast amount of weight with us still today. Stories we were told around campfires as children or stories that you would tell at sleepovers to scare all the other girls or boys. They all come from somewhere. Is the island of the dolls a real place? Where did an entire squadron of planes disappear to? Who killed Marilyn Monroe? Was it really a suicide or something much bigger? What are the Georgia Guidestones? These are the things that we're going to be diving into together. Go ahead and subscribe so that whenever a new episode drops, you will get notified. And remember, it's all just a theory. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Sometimes this podcast contains themes of a sexual nature in relation to the crimes that we talk about. This podcast contains triggers such as violence and or abuse and sometimes contains adult language. Listener discretion is advised. This is If I Go Missing, a podcast where we tell the stories of those who have gone missing so that they aren't forgotten. And maybe, just maybe, we can help bring them the justice they deserve. I am your host, Megan. And I'm your co-host, Lynn. Are you ready to dive into another story? Always. Let's do it. Let's go. Welcome to If I Go Missing. Today, we are talking about the case of missing California teen Carly Gousset. I've actually wanted to do this case for a while now. It's one for the books. It's got mystery, family conflict, and mistrust, and wait for it, a conspiracy theory. When I first heard of the story, there was barely anything to research, but then a few days ago, I decided to check back, and holy moly, information was everywhere. This story has drawn a lot of speculation on the parents' part, and I actually reached out to the stepmom on Facebook and tried to get her to do an interview with me, and this is kind of how it went down. So we spoke, and um, I thanked her for speaking with me, and um, she said, you're welcome. Um, she hadn't talked to her husband yet, but was asking what all the interview would entail, and I said, you know, basically, you can give me like your version of events, like your memory of how everything played out for you. And just know that my goal in this is to tell her story and the family's story. And I guess this was maybe a few days later or a few hours later, maybe she um, messaged me back and she says, I spoke to my husband and he's in the middle of talking with somebody about doing a podcast. So after that's over, if he's up to it, then we can do it. Thank you for reaching out. And I said, sure thing. And then I never heard from her again. So it's like February 20th. March 15th, I said, do you still want to interview? And I, then I said, you know, if not, that's okay. And she messaged me back a little bit later that day and said, not now. I'm sorry. We're interviewing for a podcast these two weeks. And life is crazy with the virus stuff going on. Because this is right when COVID first started. And they had, like, shut down the schools in California because they went on, like, that massive lockdown. And I said, you know, oh, gosh, okay, that's fine, you know. And um, 
I've tried to message her. This was March. So I've tried to message her like two times this month and nothing. That's never the response I get from families. They're always like, yes, please tell the story. So I don't know what it means. I don't know if it means anything. Because at one point she was willing to talk. And I don't know if it's because of everything that I'm about to tell you guys. And that's maybe what made her views change. But just keep this in mind, I guess. When you have something that could potentially or is legal, you do have to be extremely careful of what you say. Yeah. How you say it. So it could be that um, with your new information, they would rather not take a chance of saying or doing the wrong thing. That could be it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if there's anything remotely legal, um, I mean, down to their cousin's brother's uncle was walking their friend's best dog and thought they might have possibly seen something. She still needs to not say anything just so she doesn't say the wrong thing. Yeah. That messes up that lead. Yeah. And I think, too, she can't, she, and we talk about this a little bit later, but she comes under such speculation mm -hmm. that I think that might have played a part in it, too, is she didn't really know my angle. Right. So, I don't really have an angle. Mm -hmm. um, we try to tell our stories as unbiased as possible because that's going to be what's best for the case. We don't need any kind of prejudice that we may convey over clouding judgment for people because when that judgment gets clouded and they get so focused on seeing somebody that they want in front of that jury so badly mm -hmm. they often miss bigger things like the real perpetrator amen that goes back to the legal comment i made yeah you can accidentally incriminate in people's minds somebody who's actually innocent exactly the way i want to tell the story the way i want it to come across is that I am just telling this story completely third-party outsider as if I am, you know, watching it unfold. I don't have a side and I don't want to pick a side. My only side is whatever side helps Carly. There you go. The last time anyone saw Carly Gousset was the early morning hours of Saturday, October 13th, 2018. She was 16 years old and last seen at her home in Chalfont Valley, California. Chalfont Valley is like this small community with a population of about 650 people and it's located amongst the abandoned Southern Pacific Railroad in Mono County, California. Approximately, it's about 14 miles north of the city of Bishop and it's right off of like US Route 6. The county sits east of the Sierra Nevada between Yosemite National Park and Nevada. Most people commute to Bishop for work and school and like those people, Carly was one of them, and so was her family. Carly lived in a modest home with her father, Zachary Gousset, her stepmother, Melissa, and her two younger brothers, who were aged 9 and 10. Carly's parents were divorced when she was just a toddler, and as a young teen wanting to stay near friends and family, Carly decided she wanted to live with her father because her mother was moving to Nevada. At her high school, Bishop Union High School, Carly was popular and very well-liked. Her mother, who lived in a town not far from Carly in Nevada, has said that she was best friends with her daughter. Carly is described as being funny and sweet. And while Carly was a very well-liked teen, in the days before her disappearance, Carly would begin having what one friend described as 
episodes and terrified that someone was tracking her on her phone. You know, I wonder about that. Has that ever been confirmed? Because we've always tracked you since it was, you know, available. Um, oh, yeah, like the Find My Friends? Yeah, like the Find My Friend, the different, so you can track it through emails even, I mean, text. Um, I do that all the time with the two. Um, yeah, but yeah, it you tracks can, through text through Find My Friends. Right. Um, so I don't know, though, if there's a way the phone companies could confirm or deny that. I don't know because I know also with Find My Friends, like you have to accept it. True, true, yeah. That's, yeah. So I don't, I think if it was something like that, she probably would have known who it was. Interesting, but she didn't. I mean, you know, there are a few terrifying things. You don't tell your bestie sometime, but she didn't tell her who she thought it was or. Nothing. And I wonder, I'm not technological whatever technologically inclined there you go but um you know, it makes you wonder there are people out there that should use their knowledge for good but instead they use it for evil to track a little girl you know mm-hmm. so maybe somebody could have tapped into her phone you don't ever know and they could have very well and you know what's weird is like i can't find any other mention of that i've tried searching the internet over but i've only seen that one article mention it so, from what I can gather, after this, everything is relatively uneventful until the night before Carly disappears. The night before Carly's disappearance, she asked her parents if she could go to the football game at her high school, and her parents gave her permission to go. Except, Carly never made it to the football game. Along with her boyfriend, Donald Arrowwood III, Carly attended a house party instead. At 8 p.m., Carly's stepmom, Melissa Gousset, called Carly and asked her if she needed a ride home from the football game. At first, Carly replied, no, I'm going to get a ride home with my boyfriend. Now, sometime after this, things just go crazy and Carly's story takes a bizarre turn. Something happened at that party. Something happened that night that horrified Carly. While at the party... While everyone else was having a good time, Carly began to panic, becoming frantic and impossible to console. According to her boyfriend, Carly got scared of the music that was playing and even got scared of him. Less than an hour later, Carly dialed her stepmom's number again. This time, when Melissa answered the phone, she heard a frantic Carly on the other end. Carly began begging her to come pick her up from the trailer park, saying, Never mind, hurry up. I changed my mind. Come get me. I'm I'm booking it down Dixon Lane. Hurry, hurry. I'm scared. Melissa immediately left her home, frantically driving towards the town Carly was in. And this town was about 14 miles away from their home, which was kind of in more of a rural part of California. Something outskirts of Bishop. Mm-hmm. So you're talking maybe a 20-minute ride, actually. Yeah. So Melissa recalled in different interviews that during this time, Carly didn't want to hang up the phone at all. She wanted Melissa to talk to her the whole drive out there to get her. She was also very adamant that she wanted to be picked up immediately. Interesting. Finally, Melissa arrived at the party Carly was supposed to be at. Once at the trailer park where Carly was supposed to be, she was not there. 
didn't Carly say she was walking down the road? So, yes. So after searching, Melissa finally finds Carly about a mile away running down the street with only her cell phone light to guide her in the pitch black. Bless her. When Melissa stops, Carly quickly jumps into the backseat of the car and begins telling her stepmom she was scared. When Melissa turns to look at her stepdaughter and just kind of like let everything sink in, she remembers saying, quote, she was really pale. She looked like a ghost and her pupils were really dilated. Leads you to believe maybe there was a little drugs at the party with the dilated eyes. But it also being in the pitch dark like that, your eyes are going to dilate to try to let in as much light as possible. So that could be absolutely nothing to it except for that. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile... Back at their house, Carly's father, Zachary, unaware that anything was amiss, came home from work, sat down for a couple of beers, and kicked back like normal. But it wouldn't be long before Melissa came home and walked in with Carly, who was acting very erratically. If you're like me, you like stories about things that are strange and unusual. That's what got me into true crime. But you can't have a ghost without having true crime. So while I provide you the true crime, my friend over at Mystified Podcast will provide you the ghost stories and all of the strange and unusual details that you crave. So once you finish listening to this episode, head over there right now and give them a listen. You won't regret it. You can't have a ghost without a crime. Zachary says his daughter was just super erratic, and he describes her behavior as huddling in a corner, freaking out one minute, then telling her parents how much she loves them the next. One thing he says that strikes me as odd, particularly because of the claims Carly made in the days before the party, is that Zachary said Carly was particularly afraid of her phone and her parents getting too close to her. Her parents kept asking her what was wrong, but Carly kept telling them she didn't know. Then, Carly, whose pupils were still hugely dilated, continued to express fear and referred to the lettuce in her salad Melissa had made for her as devil's lettuce. Something's going on. Or someone has slipped Carly something. Just, that's so scary. Mm-hmm. That's so scary. And I know your teens. I know you, you want your freedom. And sometimes you want to go where mom and daddy don't want you to go. you got to tell the truth. So, I don't know about you. Because, I mean, you and Daddy are still together, so I don't know how you feel about this, but first off, as a parent who is not with the biological father of her child, this is the point to which you text me and let me know something ain't right with my child. And I'll probably come barreling down your driveway not long after, but that's just me. Personally, I feel like that's when you should just be like, hey, you know, don't come barreling down my driveway. I'm just reaching out to let you know Something's going on, and I'll kind of keep you updated. Not all parents are like us that would come barreling down the driveway. Some parents would be like, okay, so I'm on red alert, so let me know if you need me, and I will be there in 2015, whatever. Um, if you need my help, I am there. If not, 
let me know in an hour or two if everything settles down or whatever, you know? So that's, that's another thing that, you know, I'm thinking at this point too, that stepmom, it's not real sure what the heck's going on. So, you know, then you call mom, here's the information I've got so far on your child. No, that's going to freak mom slap out, you know? So I can see her not calling the other parent. I actually meant the father. Like, as, you know, biological parent to biological parent, I just want to let you know something's going on with our kid. Yeah. But, that, I mean, that's just me. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only reason I'm saying I could see them doing it is because they're so worried about taking care of her right now. That's they don't a good think point. About, that's a very good point. You know. Yeah. All right. Anyways, let's get back to Carly. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, Carly admitted to smoking marijuana while out with her boyfriend and friends. Melissa describes Carly as acting paranoid as a result of something she had taken or smoked that night at the party. Melissa refrained from taking Carly to the hospital and said later on when she was like asked about it that she didn't feel that Carly was in any immediate danger. That's that's a two-edged sword. Because I feel like you're having a bad trip on a drug. Yeah. Like even if it's just marijuana, it can Mm -hmm. be laced with something. You don't know. Well, medically speaking... You don't know how her body's responding to the marijuana because this is pathetic because I should know these things, but I don't know the normal reaction to marijuana. Marijuana is like it, it makes you very chill. Okay. Um, whereas drugs like cocaine, they hype you up. Okay. So that would tell you. She shouldn't be acting this way. No, she should okay. not. So, in other words, is there something in her body, a medication she already takes, that's having a reaction to it? Is it because that could happen? Mm-hmm. Or is this just a drug? It may be that I can drink vodka like water, but I can't take an aspirin. Mm-hmm. You know, just that's a chemical makeup of my body. Well, I have heard of some people that like marijuana actually makes them very, very paranoid. Hmm. It's just a chemical makeup of their body. I guess. Because the the intended effect, medically speaking, of marijuana, when smoked, it literally just chills you out. Okay. That's why it's used so much for, like, people that have severe anxiety. Like, you'll see them use, like, I've heard of a lot of people that would use that to cope with their anxiety rather than get medicine because of the, you know, I, I just feel numb inside kind of feeling. Yeah. So... That's kind of how recreational users that use it for stuff mm-hmm. like that would use it. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm very, very illiterate on drugs and stuff. But um, I can see stepmom thinking, let me just watch her. But I wouldn't watch her long. Because yeah. she could also turn around. There's so many teens who teen died from whatever, whatever, reaction to medica- to mm-hmm. marijuana or whatever. You, just, you can't play with that stuff. Yeah. And to me, having the medical background that I do, mm-hmm. that immediately, like, when I was reading this and was reading about her reaction, I'm like, ah, uh-uh, that's yeah. not right. Yeah. Like, something's off. Right. Like, and the like all of the things that I have studied and had to yeah. do for school or whatever, the chances of that happening are very, very low compared to how you should normally respond when that drug is introduced to your system. Gotcha. See, and that's the thing is, Maybe she's like me and she doesn't know. And she thinks, okay, I'm going to mm-hmm. sleep it off. But she, she also is apparently not like me because I'm very 
Okay, we're taking your crazy self to the hospital. And when you sober again, we're going to have us some come to Jesus. That's just me. Mm-hmm. Most parents would not do that. They would, I know, honey, people try things, the experiment. That's part of being a teen. Eventually, Carly did calm down. But something still just, it wasn't quite right. That night, she begged Melissa to hang out with her in her room to paint their toenails, color, and read the Bible. Melissa claims she slept in Carly's bedroom that night to try and help Carly keep calm and even described her mental state as like a complete roller coaster. But maybe the reason Melissa wasn't so alarmed as most of us would have been is because Carly had smoked before. Carly had recently been suspended from school and had to attend counseling on school campus for using marijuana at school. In an attempt to show Carly what she looked like while high on drugs, Melissa decided to take out her cell phone and secretly began recording Carly with the intention of later on showing Carly the footage. So so has this footage been released to anyone or any other kind of recordings yeah um fox news actually has a a former homicide detective and private investigator named michael boone obtained permission from carly's biological mother to speak about the audio and he told fox news that the audio clip was the last quote proof of life in which her voice was heard at about 10 30 p.m that night okay fox news listened to one of two alleged recordings And it lasted for a total of 8 minutes and 45 seconds. In the recording, Carly's shaky voice can be heard saying that she didn't want to sleep in case she was killed. And asking Melissa to call 911 if needed. Then Carly would apologize and allegedly continue in something of like a panic mode littered with I love yous and hi. All the while, she was talking to her stepmom, who appeared to have just been calmly talking her down until after 3 a.m. As evident in the audio, Melissa later describes Carly's behavior as facilitating between paranoid and excited. She would go from being scared at one moment and wanting to paint toenails and color books at another. Yet, there was still a sense that something was off, as Melissa exchanged text messages with Carly's boyfriend who was concerned about her state. From Friday to Saturday, Donald, Carly's boyfriend, and Melissa, her stepmom, exchanged several texts. One message, Melissa says, she even told Donald, please pray. According to Melissa, she spent that whole night in Carly's room, but eventually drifted off to sleep. And when she awoke, Carly was not beside her anymore. Melissa got up and began to look for Carly in their home. Instead, she found the front door slightly ajar and Carly nowhere to be found. Carly was just gone. Right after Carly's disappearance, the Mono County Sheriff's Office published a statement that said she was last seen in the early morning hours of Saturday, October 13, 2018 in the White Mountain Estates in Chalfont Valley walking towards Highway 6. The Mono County Sheriff's Office launched a massive week-long search with helicopters, search dogs, and off-road vehicles. Officials returned several times with cadaver dogs. After the official search for Carly had ended, private search parties set out to crisscross the high desert and probe the nearby White Mountains. 
The FBI combed Carly's cell phone, which was still at her house the morning she vanished. They also searched for her digital footprints online. Posters of Carly went up in grocery stores, gas stations, and diners across Eastern California. Carly's case quickly went viral on Facebook, too, in groups like Bring Carly Gousset Home. Okay, but in this day and time, there was nothing trackable. Like, Carly was wearing, like, a smartwatch or, or something. Well, we know she left her phone at home. Right. And I don't know if she had a smartwatch, but during a search, one place authorities looked for Carly was actually at the Gousset's home. And that led to the discovery of literally all of Carly's belongings and virtually the end of any possibility they might have had of tracking her. Digitally, anyways. Wait. So, she's an underage teen and does not qualify for the Amber Alert? What about that? Yeah, this is something I didn't understand. So... I did some digging. In a Facebook post, one week after Carly disappeared, authorities said, quote, Carly does not meet the criteria for an Amber Alert as there is no evidence or indication of an abduction, end quote. So they seriously believe that for no reason, just because it felt good, she walked out of her house with nothing. No, I didn't have no phone. I got a phone. Isn't that attached to a teenager's hand? Like, wouldn't you have to medically remove that for surgery? Not if the teenager wanted to disappear. It's a teenager. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Maybe I'm totally wrong. I just can't imagine a teenager that would just walk out of their house with absolutely nothing. Unless somebody threatening her family hmm. that she's she's got to... It almost sounds like she has got to vanish from her family with absolutely no trace. Whoa. In order for... I mean, she's 16. She's not stupid. She's not a baby. She's old enough to understand, I can only keep my parents, younger siblings, whoever's in the household safe if I vanish, if I give in to whatever this demand is. Maybe that's why she was so afraid. Whoa. And that that could explain the phone tracking. Yeah, somebody tracking her phone. That's a... I don't think anybody has thought about that theory. And if they had, they haven't said it out loud yet. But yeah, wow. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of for a 16-year-old just to want to vanish. She's not going to want to vanish. She may feel she has to vanish. She may feel the only way... Her loved ones can be safe as if she vanishes, or there's the remote possibility that I've done marijuana, I've done whatever, 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 and I'm feeling so guilty that I feel like I have to vanish. But first thing that comes to my mind is unwillingly vanishing. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely an interesting theory. I'm kind of surprised nobody's mentioned it before. Well, like I said again, Maybe somebody's using it. They're just not putting it out there because they don't want criminals to know that. Or maybe that's just me reading way too much junk. (laughs) (laughs) It makes you think, wow. So even without this Amber Alert, though, Carly warranted tons of attention from her hometown, which really helped. In the days, weeks, and months that followed, possible sightings had been reported in California and 
And that's true. And God bless. You have to be so careful nowadays. Because my first inclination is, I know that's her. I'm stopping and saying, honey, do you need a ride? Are you okay? Did something happen? Did your car break down? Something. I'm going to stop. Mm -hmm. But if I were a man of whatever. Yeah. You got to be careful these days. Well, last thing I saw was her leaving with him. He, he took her back home. He took her you know, mm-hmm. so I can see him really having to be super careful with that. Yeah. And thinking about that, that's sad because his intentions would have probably been completely innocent, completely helpful to Carly. But mm-hmm. you got to think about these crazy things. The last documented sighting of Carly was her walking towards California Highway 6, the prominent U.S. Route 6 that stretches all the way from California to Massachusetts weaving through 14 states by way of Nevada to Nebraska and Indiana through to New York. But here's the problems with these sightings. Melissa, the stepmom, who said she was extremely worried about Carly, told Nancy Grace that the teen was wearing skinny jeans when she disappeared. Melissa also relayed the same information to authorities, but then turned around later and said she only assumed Carly was wearing skinny jeans since that's what she always wears. Hmm. It seemed plausible that she would likely have been wearing them, according to Melissa, so, you know, I don't even know if these sightings can be counted as accurate anymore because a possible wrong description has now been given as to what she was last seen in. Yeah, simply because was she not asleep when Carly left? She doesn't know what Carly changed into. Mm-hmm. Carly could have been wearing a dress. She could have been wearing... Shorts. Shorts. She could have been wearing cowboy hat. You, you, you don't know. Yeah. But skinny jeans are what Carly always wore, so it seemed plausible that she would likely have been wearing them, according to Melissa. So that's the reason for that description. And I totally get that. I really do. And a teen's going to wear jeans normally. But what were these people saying she was wearing? That's a good point. The man knew Carly. He wasn't going by what she was wearing. He wasn't going by Mm -hmm. whatever. He was going by, I know Carly, and that was her. Yeah. So, if you think it's confusing now, we just hit the tip of the familial iceberg, and I haven't even touched on the conspiracy theory I found. We're now at the point where things start to get a little touchy. Starting the day Carly vanished, Melissa live-streamed updates about the search on Facebook. As these videos circulated online, many viewers became suspicious. A licensed therapist from North Carolina actually watched these videos and found them very unsettling. She said, quote, One thing that bothers me as a licensed psychotherapist is the stepmother's eyes. They shift constantly, which indicates lying, end quote. Interesting. It is. And then Carly's biological mother publicly questioned Melissa's credibility. During the Nancy Grace podcast in October of 2018, Lindsay, who is Carly's biological mother, tells Nancy Grace that she has heard at least four to five different stories from her missing daughter's stepmom in regards to what happened that night. Some people on social media have also gone further claiming that Carly never even made it out of the house alive. Hmm. 
Yet she was spotted. Yeah. Spotted yeah. That's, that's where that kind of falters for me. Yeah, because, I mean, going back to the man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a woman in a grocery store or whatever, she may not know her. She just saw a glimpse on TV or something. Yeah. But this man said he knew her. Yeah. It, it wasn't a, oh, I saw her on the TV. Um, so that kind of makes it a little, and even at that, it was Carly's dad she was living with. He he would just cover up somebody doing something Some right there in the house. Some people speculated. I read one thing where it said that he didn't have much memory of that night either. Okay. So, some people speculated that maybe they were drugged, hence the devil's lettuce. I don't really know. It got a little got a little confusing for mm-hmm. me, so I tried to Yeah. I tried to keep it as easy to comprehend as possible. Okay. Armchair detectives actually just ended up concluding that Carly OD'd that night and not knowing what to do, they buried her. I'm not sure how I feel about this, but their theory came from a moment on the Dr. Phil show. On an episode of Dr. Phil from May 2019, Lindsay Fairley, which is Carly's mom, said that she believed her daughter had a fatal drug overdose. And she believed that very early morning, Melissa saw her with her eyes open and she thinks that's when her daughter passed. I'm just baffled. I mean, because we go back to the sightings and we go, but we also go to, well, kind of confused on where to go. Thanks to the grand jury now known as social media. <laughs> Amen. People question the eyewitness sightings too. An October 2018 post on Facebook wondered, did Melissa walk down the street that morning and was mistaken for Carly? Over time, this speculation has morphed into a story that was then repeated as a fact. So people are legit trying to say that after burying her stepdaughter who OD'd on drugs, Melissa went running around in the hopes of trying to be seen and mistakenly taken for Carly. This really seems like a long shot to me. I mean, do they look that much alike? I don't think so. Melissa's a good bit taller than Carly from pictures I've seen and... Carly is very, very tiny. Mm-hmm. Melissa is, you know, she's not overweight. She's not mm-hmm. rail thin. She's a good right. average size She's not tiny, adult. teenage tiny. Yeah. Whereas Carly was. Carly was probably about my size at 16. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that, that one's just a little... But do you that really one is think... a shot. Yeah. Do you really think after burying your stepdaughter... You're going right. to think, I'm going to go run around so people might see me and think she's still alive. Yeah, no. That's that's just a little too much. Like, no. And not only that, if these theories are out there so strong, why wouldn't the police start to get the same theory and want to, um, like, body search the yard or body search the house? Exactly. Or, yeah, something doesn't pan out with that. Yeah. Because those theories are crazy. Yeah. So, Sheriff Ingrid Braun told the Review Journal that her office doesn't have a theory, actually, about what happened to Carly and remains open to all possibilities. Then, when she was asked whether she cleared Carly's family or not, Sheriff Braun said, nobody's been cleared of anything. Right now, I don't even have a crime to clear anybody of. 
Because it's true. It's just a missing person. There's no, yeah. there's no evidence of a crime. Right. It's it's very hard to, with absolutely nothing. It's yeah. very hard to go in there and say, okay, I think you might have possibly maybe buried your daughter in the backyard. Really? You can't yeah. do that. No. You cannot legally do that. No. And as for the accusations on social media, Sheriff Braun said that most of them, like most of the people that are saying these things, mm-hmm. don't appear to be locals to the area. Just troublemakers. Yeah, like troublemakers from like Kalamazoo. Yeah. And to date, there's been only one arrest. And that was 18-year-old James Doolin on allegations that he provided the cannabis, a.k.a. marijuana, to Carly on October 12th, 2018. Then, in January of 2019, Dolan pled guilty to a lesser related charge of contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Okay. Um, I get that. I do. Legally, that's where everything stands. But for now, the insane part that I feel like I should kind of be putting on my tinfoil hat for is the Wayfair conspiracy. I actually came across this on TikTok as I was doing research about Carly's story online. And I feel like it's it's out there now. Don't get me wrong. But I also don't want to not mention it and it actually be the real deal. Okay, so, you know, I try, I try to avoid any kind of newscast anymore now. These days, it's just getting crazy out there. But I've heard bits and pieces of this, the Wayfair conspiracy, um, and I'm not very clear on it. So, it first started... June 14th of 2020. And, I mean, there's still unfounded claims, but that's when they first started appearing. And it all started with hashtag Wayfair trending on Twitter. One person normally would assume that, like, this hashtag was started by a medium to high-end household decorator. You know, some sort of decor enthusiast. Right. Yet, the roots of this trend are actually much darker. In fact, it alludes to a conspiracy theory which began on Reddit's conspiracy subreddit. According to NBC News' Ben Collins, there's been speculation that Wayfair was covertly using its cabinets as shipping containers for a secret child trafficking ring. The, quote, evidence for this theory was prices of between $12,699.99 and $14,499.99 for some of its cabinets combined with the names of these cabinets, such as Yaritza, Alvia, and Semia, which proponents of the theory speculated were names of victims. I actually found a picture of the tweet, and I'm going to show it to you right now. But it says, um, my spidey senses are tingling. What's with all these, quote, storage cabinets? Extremely high prices, all listed with girls' names, and identical units selling for different amounts. You can't really see the prices or anything in the picture, but what you can see is all the different units that are all, like, looking the same. Interesting. Very interesting. I mean, because I've heard some of this, but I'm like, okay, this is... This is out there, isn't it? It is out there. And not only are their cabinets outrageously priced, mm-hmm. but also other one-of-a-kind special rugs. And one of these rugs was named Carly. I don't have any comments there. <laughs> mm. 
what came to be known as Wayfair Gate, you know, kind of a yeah. stab at Watergate. Gotcha. Quickly took hold among conspiracy theorists, many of whom were QAnon supporters, due in a large part to its resemblance to Pizzagate, which was the 2016 theory that speculated that left-wing establishment figures were secretly running a child sex trafficking ring from a D.C. pizza restaurant. Yeah, I heard a little bit about that. Didn't know any much details on it either. I've heard pieces of that one, too. They Mm -hmm. keep these things very hush-hush. Yeah. Yeah, child trafficking usually is kind of hush-hush. Yeah, you know. Yeah. You better hush-hush. You better not touch my child. That thief was crazy. Naturally, Wayfair considered it less than ideal that it had become, you know, the target of a child sex trafficking rumor. And Cole Wickley issued a statement to the Rolling Stone saying there was no truth to these claims. The products in question are industrial-grade cabinets that are accurately priced. No way in hell am I paying that much for a cabinet. (laughs) Those are not that kind of cabinets. No. The cabinets that cost that kind of money are nice cabinets you put in your home. These are little cheesy industrial cabinets. Yeah. I was thinking if I were Wayfair, hello Wayfair, listen, you just say, oh, that was a misprint. You dumb idiot. You just incriminated yourself with a stupid story. (laughs) (laughs) No, you cover it up with going... Oh my gosh, that was a misprint on our part. I'm so sorry. No. These look like lockers. Yeah, they do. They look like lockers. Cheap buying lockers. Yeah. $300 locker stops. Like, no, thank you. No, no. Y'all making yourself look bad. And although many people have, like, come forward to debunk this theory, it's still gaining momentum. A spokesperson for Wayfair told Reuters that it used an algorithm to name its products using, quote, first names, geographic locations and common words and Snopes found that many of the children cited as inspiration for the cabinet's names such as Olivia Navarro were not in fact missing children at all in actuality Olivia Navarro was an autistic three-year-old who tragically drowned after wandering into a pond in 2013 but I mean I don't really think naming it after a child who died tragically is a good idea either yeah naming it after a child period yeah it's kind of creepy. Yeah, very creepy. Very creepy. I mean, I can see if it was my child and I want to make this a line in her honor. Yeah. That's something, but uh-uh. no, that's no, just creepy. Just stop. No. Yeah, just, yeah, just stop. I mean, because they're trying to say it was like random names, but I'm sorry. Olivia Navarro spelled A-L-Y-V-I-A. Yeah, no. Not, not common. No, no. Furthermore... I did some digging, dug my heels in, decided to find out how common the spelling of Carly, as Carly Gousset used it, was. Carly Gousset spelled her name K-A-R-L-I-E. Mm-hmm. Thanks to a list I found on one of my favorite sites, a site called Ranker. They like rank a bunch of these like crazy type of things from like famous rock star stories to names. Mm-hmm. Um, I found a list of the most common ways to spell the name Carly. The most common way to spell the name Carly is the C-A-R-L-Y spelling. The way Carly Gousset spelled her name was a little farther down the list, ranking number 7 out of 16. So while it's not like the least common, it's definitely not the most common either. It's not something that like your common name generator would have picked up on. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't really buy that part. 
it's co- it's just a quinky dinky. Come on, mm. a little too quinky dinky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just like the idiots didn't think to say it was a misprint, which would be your number one common response to that. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, but some of our cabinets are expensive. That ain't expensive. That's highway robbery. That's insane for a freaking yeah, cabinet. But I've seen chairs at Wayfair be like $10,000. I don't know what the crap they think their stuff's made of, but it's ridiculous. <laughs> no offense, yeah. Wayfair. That's why I look on their website and never buy anything. No offense, yeah. Wayfair, but... um. Yeah, their prices are outrageous, but that is just... No. Nah. Mm. No. Like, the U.S. is in a coin, coin shortage. Can we please? <laughs> I can't afford to give you 99 cents, let alone 12,099 cents. <laughs> but... As much as we see that this is all very suspicious, so did other people. And a new conspiracy theory was budding in the horizons. Some said that after they put stock keeping units or SKU numbers, like SKU SKU numbers, of specific Wayfair products into this place called Yandex, which is a major Russian search engine, images of young women would appear in the search results. That claim was true. Oh, my Lord. But it was narrowed down to a glitch in the search engine, you see? Well, at least they were smart enough to say it was a, a glitch. Not, mm-hmm. That's what our prices are. Yeah. Idiots. <laughs> and so Newsweek reported that a Yandex search for any random string of numbers would return the same result. Yandex seems to have corrected this issue as of now. I bet they have. Yeah. As people that have tried this search again found that these searches no longer return images of young women. Coincidence or cover-up? Yeah. No. No. I, sorry, but I really don't think that's a coincidence. You got busted, and you were smart enough to fix it. I mean, Wayfair, y'all shouldn't have involved them because they ain't too bright. If they don't have enough sense to say it was yeah. a, a, a misprint, yeah. Y'all should have cleaned But have you company. noticed, I feel like Wayfair commercials have not been shown lately. <laughs> You know, like poor old Corona, poor old Corona beer. I feel so sorry for him. They've tried to make it look so good and it's so inviting. I feel so sorry for him. The Wayfair yeah. is just like, no, let's just get in the background here. Well, I mean, the theme song is Wayfair, you got just what I need. I bet you do. So it looks like you do. Yes. Anything from cabinets to people. <laughs> like, for come real. on. Yeah, I don't know. I just. Yeah, I really don't know about this one. Yeah. But I felt like there was too much to not mention Mm -hmm. it. Exactly. I agree with you there. Although it began in the U.S., the conspiracy theory soon became a global trend. Is there any truth to the matter? Honestly, I don't know. But if there is, I couldn't not mention it because what if it ended up being the key to finding Carly? That's what matters. Finding Carly. Yeah. I mean... It may look like I've got my tinfoil hat on too tight and I've begun to spiral at this point, and I'm honestly not sure one way or another, but I had to mention it. Yeah. Like you said, true or not, there's a missing girl out there, and we need to spread awareness to bring her home. If you have any information on Carly, please contact the Mono County Police.
Thank you for listening to another episode of If I Go Missing. I'm your host, Megan, and I put a lot of thought and hard work into these episodes. I write, edit, and produce them all myself, and it means a lot to me that you guys take the time to listen. If you would like to follow us on social media, our Instagram is at If I Go Missing Podcast. Then we also have our Twitter, and that one is at Megan Noel Pod. If you want to reach out and suggest a case, you can do that on Instagram or Twitter by sending us a DM. We also have a Facebook page called Megan Noel Podcast, and we also have discussion groups for the podcast. And the name of the discussion group is If I Go Missing, a podcast. <laughs>